really like that song. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Boy, what a, what a great thought. You all have heard the reports. If a criminal is on the loose or if someone breaks out of prison, there may come a report that says, watch out for this person because he is armed and dangerous. You know, if, if Satan were called that, and I'm here to tell you this morning that Satan is armed and dangerous. Now, we know some of his tricks, we know some of his schemes, but if he were to be as he is portrayed, we wouldn't have a problem finding him. I mean, can you imagine if Satan were really someone who dressed in red, who had horns and a pitchfork, and he's trying to blend into the crowd, you would obviously say, there he is, he's right over there. But he doesn't do that. We make light of his presence. We say things like, the devil made me do it. And we think it's pretty funny. But Satan is dangerous. Scripture describes him in many ways. Calls him the God of this world or the God of the age. Calls him the prince of the power of the air. It calls him the ruler of the demons. Talks about the devil and his angels, which implies that he has those that serve under him. Calls him the ruler of the of darkness. Now that doesn't sound like someone that we would like to associate with. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under it, from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things that they boast about. For such things, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles or as Christ, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Satan himself masquerades as, a, as an angel of light. Now, as I was kind of doing research into this lesson today, uh, I came across words like naturalism and legalism and mysticism and asceticism and materialism. <laughs> you know, when I read those words, I, I, my eyes go in the back of my head. And we have a hard time dealing with those. And, and, and yes, Satan is involved in all of those things. But I thought how impractical those terms really are. When you struggle with pornography and lust and covetousness, how am I going to talk to you about materialism and asceticism? When your life is turned upside down by what goes on in life, how can I talk to you about asceticism? Thought of Galatians chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. 
Now, most of these words are words that we can get a hold of. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Now, debauchery is one of those words, you know, I, I remember we used to kind of tease about that and say, have you debauched this week, you know? But these are words, idolatry, witchcraft, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And, and when I was growing up, this last part was the favorite of many, many preachers and the like. Because anything they didn't like, they would put in and the like. And you know what? We've got plenty of other things to worry about, don't we? But that gives us a better idea of the things that Satan is involved in. He really likes those things. And it says, therefore, those who deal with these do not or cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When I see these things like sexual immorality or discord or selfish ambition or factions or drunkenness, we can understand those. There's another list that says those who are disobedient to, to parents. We're warned a number of times about Satan. We've already mentioned that he disguises himself as an angel of light. And if we're to be transformed, we must leave these traits behind. We've already mentioned this. We've preached about a roaring lion. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. And then listen to this next one. For we are not unaware of his schemes. When I think of the word schemes, I think of somebody who's trying to pull the wool over your eyes, someone who's trying to, to do something that... In other words, you've done it and you didn't even know you were doing it. That's the description of Satan. Jesus told Peter, this was one of those things... I went back and read this, and, and it, was, it was, you know, who do men say that I am? And, and Peter steps up, and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, for, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. And as they're walking away, Jesus is telling them about what he must go through and the suffering that he must go through and peter you know he's already been praised for this one thing and he comes up to jesus and he said you know what you shouldn't talk like that don't say those kind of things and peter looks at him and he says get behind me satan 
I wonder if those conversations still go on today. Peter, Jesus told Peter that Satan had asked him to, to sift him like wheat. It says that Satan entered Judas right before he betrayed Jesus. And when Daniel had a vision in the Old Testament, he was praying about it. And, and, and in that vision, Michael shows up and says, I would have been here sooner. I would have been here 21 days ago. But I was kept by the prince of the Persian kingdom from coming. Paul told the Galatians that he wanted to come and visit them. But this is what they said. Satan blocked our way. And then when you see the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, but Satan's works are doubt, fear, uh, pleasure, division. Let me give you three examples of Satan's work. First of all, he just flat out lies. Jesus called him the father of lies. <clears throat> We've talked about this, I think, last week. If not last week, it was two weeks ago. But in the garden, Jesus, or in the garden, uh, God comes to Adam and Eve and he tells them, you can eat of any tree, any tree that's in the garden except one. Because if you eat of that, you will die. The serpent comes to him and says, did God really tell you that if you ate of that tree that you would die? He said, if you eat of that tree, you will not die. There's the options. You'll die, you're not going to die. And of course, they believed the serpent more than they believed God. He will and does lie to you. He says, you know what? If you do that, things are going to be better in your life. If you do this, you're going to be liked. If you do this, you will be popular. If, if you do this, it'll make you feel good. There'll be no consequences whatsoever. The list goes on and on. We can't stand to be around people who lie. And yet we let Satan sit on our couches. But number two, he's mean. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a better term than that. He's just flat out mean. And this time, I go to the book of Job. Job has it all. He's got seven sons. He's got three daughters. He's got 7,000 sheep. He's got 3,000 camels. He's got thousands of donkeys. He has everything. 
And Satan says, no wonder you built a hedge around him. God says, no. No, I tell you what. He says, he will not. He will not go against me. Satan says, well, of course not. Satan's trying to tell us something now, isn't he? <laughs> he says, no, that's not going to happen. God says, tell you what, you can do anything you want, but just don't touch him. Satan killed his entire family. Satan killed everything, all the livestock, everything he had. He was left with nothing. And then it happens again. He says, well, no wonder, God, you've just protected him. God says, okay, do anything you want, but just don't kill him. You know the story. All kinds of things happen to him. He ends up with boils. I was watch, uh, reading it, and, and, and it talks about him taking shards of glass and scraping his skin because the boils, and he itched, it itched so much. It was gross. And in the end, God doesn't even tell him why that happened to him. He just says, I'm God. We often blame God in life for the things that happen to us. And I'm afraid we have blamed the wrong person. Maybe we need to be blaming Satan a whole lot more than we do. And the third example, he tried this with Jesus. Jesus goes out in the wilderness and he's hungry. And Satan says to him, you know what? Here's some, here's some stones, why don't you turn those to bread? Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone. He takes him and he says, listen, why don't you just jump off of this, this precipice? And, and, and this is what's scary to me. Because the Bible says that Satan quotes scripture. He says, he'll give his angels charge over you. Jesus said, you shouldn't tempt God like that. Then he takes him and he shows him all the wonders of the world. He says, I'll give you all this if you'll just worship me. God says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus tells him to get away. The thing that I find extremely interesting, and I've mentioned this before, is that in Luke chapter 4 and verse 13, it says that he left for a more opportune time. He left until he could find a better opportunity. If he'll do that to Jesus, what do you think he'll do to you? Has Satan lied to you? Has he kept coming back and coming back and coming back to you? Has he been mean to you and you saw it as an angry God? 
Did you overcome a temptation only to have Satan return? Even when you were more vulnerable. And I'm here today to tell you this. That sin is not worth it. In talking to Mo, about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, he calls him, he says, he chose to be mistreated among the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. God has warned us the pleasures of sin. Don't let Satan deceive you and keep you from eternity from the Lord. There's been a, I've seen it twice now, there was an experiment that was done with little kids. One of them was with marshmallows and the other was with gummy bears. You've probably seen it. And the adult, the parent, whoever, puts a marshmallow or gummy bears in front of this child and says, listen, don't eat this. But when I come back, if you don't eat it, then I'll give you the whole bag. He puts it down, walks out of the room. And to watch the kid is just, it's just funny. Because they sit there and they kind of look around. And in almost every instance, the kid reaches down. One of them, they put four or five gummy bears down. And as soon as the parent leaves, he stuffs them all in his mouth. I started thinking about that. I thought, isn't that the way that Satan does us? God says, listen, I, I don't want you to do this. And as soon as God leaves the room, and God never leaves the room, by the way, but we're there to eat all the gummy bears. We allow Satan to take control. I want to tell you something. The best method to deal with Satan, if we are truly going to be transformed, is to resist him. Is to fight back. Because you see, the Bible says, submit yourselves then to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now that doesn't mean resist him once and that's it. Because you remember I just talked about Jesus having an opportune time. That, that, that Satan was going to come back at a more opportune time. He'll come back, he'll come back, he'll come back. But he says I want you to resist him because once you resist him, he'll flee from you. He may leave you alone for a while, but then he'll come back. But it is our opportunity, it is our duty to resist him. And God will help us. Satan will lie, he's mean, and he did it to Jesus. Don't you think he'll do it to you? I, I, I don't want to leave us on a negative note. I want us to, to understand and realize that God has forgiven you and loves you and has grace for you. But we need to be aware of Satan's schemes.